Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the OrcoCast. My name is the Orcosaurus, and in this podcast, I'm talking to indie game developers about their games and the video game industry in general. So, if you like my show, then please consider subscribing on YouTube, thumb the video up, ring the bell, leave a comment, and if you're listening to one of the many podcast platforms, please consider us giving a review. And if you want to support us, please check out our Patreon. Thank you, everyone, and now on to the show. Here we go. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome back to the Cast. New year, new season, old program. I'm not going to change the format anytime soon. And with me today is Tim, and Tim is currently working on Dynamarks. Hello, Tim. How are you doing? Hey there. Doing good. How are you? I'm fantastic. Tim, tell us a little bit about yourself. Uh, Let's see. So I'm an American living in Scotland right now. And I guess for the last year and a half, I've been uh, doing independent game development. I used to work as a software engineer and ended up quitting my job and uh, just trying to build a game now. And yeah, uh, so far it's been fun. It's tough in a lot of ways, but I have a really good time doing it. That is absolutely lovely to hear. So you've been working for 1.5 years on Dynamarks mm. alone, or is there something you made maybe prior? We don't know of. No, so this is pretty much my first game. I know they always say you should build lots of little games first and then try to be a indie game dev, but I'm kind of ignoring that advice. This is my very first game, very first time I've ever used game engine. Um, yeah, so it's uh, it's definitely been tough, but but I like it. Is there a particular reason why you're ignoring the advice, or did you just say, hmm, let's ring it, let's let's go all in? Yes, I think probably two things is one, I'm just kind of stubborn and uh, I like challenges, so I, th- I felt like it was a good challenge. And then I guess second, I do have a background uh, in software engineering, so I at least knew how to do like some programming. So that kind of helped give me a little bit of a head start, but a lot of the whole side of like game design, um, like building a game, that's pretty new to me. Mm-hmm. And so before we go any further, just tell us a little bit about your project, Dynamarks, what it is, and yeah just what it is maybe yeah yeah it's a deck building game uh it's also kind of like one of those roguelike roguelite games so i know that that uh uh, kind of annoys people when people use that genre but it's a little bit of that as well um yeah heavy emphasis on deck building Uh, i love games like slay the spire and monster chain inscription all those kind of games um so yeah deck building but it's got dinosaur mercenaries in it um that's kind of what sets it apart and then i'm also trying to do some like very different mechanics for the game so the way you play cards um and uh, fight enemies is pretty different from other games um so i just i love the genre and just kind of wanted to to try something interesting in that space so uh, that that would have been my my follow-up question um that the roguelike deck builder let's call it that is mm-hmm. let's say a little bit crowded just a yeah. tiny little <laughs> bit um why would you with your first project choose to enter exactly that genre yeah so i think there's probably a couple of reasons and i think the biggest one is 
It's a genre I really like to play, and I really wanted to build a game that I would want to play myself. And I think most game developers, they have like ideas for games where they know they want this game to exist and it doesn't exist yet. And it's the game that they really want to play themselves and all the other games out there don't really like scratch that itch that they're, they're trying to scratch. So for me, this is kind of like the, the deck builder that doesn't exist yet that I want to play myself. And uh, I think also probably the other reason is when I first considered starting to build a game, I was actually going to build like a like a text adventure, like visual novel sort of game. And I kind of quickly realized I probably would make absolutely no money doing that, or at least as a first time game developer, I'm probably not going to make a ton of money. So I figured I might as well pick a genre where there's actually quite a quite a few people playing those games and buying them. Yeah, okay. Um, I mean, you also have obviously the risk to be drowned out, drowned out by your competition. So, um, my, my uh, apart from um not making money, is there any other reason you decided against a visual novel? Yeah, so I do have an idea for one that I definitely want to do in the future. I also realized like probably my writing skills aren't up to par, so I probably need to spend some time developing those. And it's actually really uh, surprising just how complex like a visual novel can get, um, especially if you have one with like pretty in-depth uh, dialogue and branching narratives. Uh, I realized very quickly it become extremely complex, and so kind of started with some. I wanted to start with a game that was maybe a little bit more contained. If you want to develop your writing skills, I can uh, shoot you. A good friend of mine who actually teaches writing classes. <laughs> just, <laughs> just, uh, just as a heads up. Uh, um, so and Dynomarks, the the concept of itself. So we have we have this roguelike deck builder. Why dinosaur mercenaries? So when I was a kid, I really wanted to be a paleontologist. Uh, but then in school, I started to do really badly in math and science. So probably becoming a scientist wasn't a very viable career option for me. So I then wanted to become a paleo artist, which is somebody who just paints and draws dinosaurs for a living. Um, then for various reasons, I ended up becoming a software engineer instead. And so this is kind of like my my way of uh, uh, kind of going back to like what I wanted to do as a kid. It's kind of always my dream to, to draw dinosaurs. So kind of gives me a good excuse to do that. Okay. Yeah, that that's fair. So... Um, you are doing mostly everything yourself, I think, apart from the music. Is that right? Let's see. Yeah, a couple of friends are doing the, the soundtrack for the game. But other than that, I'm doing almost everything myself. Um, I've hired like a couple of people to do some small tasks. Uh, like the animation takes a while. So the animated characters are animated by uh, a professional animator. And then... There's probably a couple little little things that I've outsourced, but for the most part, just by myself. So just these, these smaller um, tasks. So you're basically in quotations a solo dev, and some stuff yeah. gets outsourced. Okay. Um, I so I've been following your game a little bit. I think I've played the very first demo, an official right. demo that was out at some point. Um, I'm curious. Um, you switched engines. Um, you switched from I don't remember to Unity, I think. Uh, yeah. Uh, I don't remember what's the other engine you were um, first, so I don't remember that one. But you switched to Unity. Uh, Unity, I remember this one. Um, why did you switch? What what spurred on the switch? 
So yeah, previous to, to becoming a game developer, I worked as a like software engineer, particularly doing web development. And I thought I would build the game using JavaScript and web technologies, uh, just because that's what I knew at the time. And that's what I felt really comfortable using. And it worked well to, to make a, a prototype, but then I quickly realized there's a reason why game developers use game engines. Uh, I was starting to be very limited by the web technologies. And I also wanted to, in the future, have the, the opportunity to uh, potentially port the game to consoles. And that's also really hard to do if you're using something other than a game engine. So I just kind of cut my losses and uh, just basically rewrote re the entire game uh, from scratch in Unity. And yeah, I had actually never used Unity before doing that. So it was, uh, it was pretty stressful, but uh, I'm glad I did it. I, I've been liking the Unity so far. Okay, so it, it was obviously a, a big learning process for you, mm -hmm. but in the end you say it was the wiser decision to go for Unity. Yeah, there's definitely just a lot of things in a game engine where it's obviously uh, helps you build a better game. Like things, uh, they usually call it like a game feel, like just, uh, you'll notice in games, like everything has lots of like visual effects, sound effects, a lot of uh, a lot of moving little bits, like all these little details that come together. And using game engine helps a lot with that. And then of course there's uh, things like controller support and consoles and um, countless other things that are just a lot easier to do with a game engine. So, um, I, I mean, I, I say it again, I've played your game a little bit. Um, I found it um, fairly unique in how you approached, like, the cart, um, <laughs> the way you play the cards. Um, so for anyone who has not played it, um, you have a demo out currently, I guess. Link, I, if it's out, is in the description, everyone. Check it out. Download the demo. I, I demand it. <laughs> Thank you. A and wishlist. And wishlist. Um, <clears throat> so, fairly unique. What you do is basically, um, if I remember correctly, you play three cards, the enemy plays two cards, and you can then um, sacrifice one card and get the negative effect. I, I don't remember correctly. Um, but it, it's, let, let's put it that way, before I confuse myself too much. It's fairly unique, um, very good take. How did you come up with that system? Yeah, so I think one thing I tried to do with like the design of the game, like to, the design of the mechanics is I tried to take a deck builder, just the, basically the genre, like kind of your generic deck building game. I wanted to like break it down into all its different parts and like look at, you know, what kind of things are kind of overdone. I feel like a lot of deck builders, they all kind of revolve around drawing cards. Like usually, like even going all the way back to, you know, games like Magic the Gathering, like always the most powerful cards are the ones that allow you to draw more cards. And I kind of wanted to move away from that, something that was a little bit different, a little bit less about cycling through a deck as fast as you can, uh, and more about like really careful and like thoughtful um, playing of a limited number of cards. So that's where I came up with this idea of there's five different slots and three of them are positive slots and two of them are negative slots. And by default, the enemy cards go into the negative slots and by default, your cards go into the positive slots. And then from there, you can rearrange the cards uh, in strategic ways. And um, I feel like, I, as far as I know, I don't think anyone else has done that. Um, 
there might be some games that come a little bit close, but uh, it was definitely, like you said, it's a pretty crowded genre. So I wanted to make sure that I was going to make a game in this genre. I wanted to do something pretty unique. So I would, would personally or definitely say that I've not played this kind of um, system before. And I, yeah. I personally like it. But then, nice. <laughs> uh, um, but then you also have like the... Um, the other side of the coin, aren't you afraid that you might be an annihilating that like core audience, let's call them core audience of these kinds of uh, games when you put out such a different system? Because I feel like that some people might look at this and say, hey, this is not what I'm used to. Yeah, that's definitely a risk. And I think so what I did to do, uh, what I did to mitigate that was I kept a lot of things the same. So like that's pretty much the one big change, but for the most part, you have a lot of the standard things you get in a deck builder. You have like stats and statuses and cards that deal damage. Um, you know, you've got HP and uh, like ways to, to protect against attacks. So I feel like if you're gonna do something pretty dramatically different in a game, you have to, you have to maybe change like uh, 25% and maybe keep 75% pretty in line with what people would expect in that genre so it's kind of a balancing act and it's definitely a risk but i, I think i've I, i've balanced it enough i've kind of found that i'm surprisingly I, I wasn't really expecting this but most people have given me positive feedback about the game and there definitely are a couple of people who play it and they they're kind of expecting something like slay the spire and they have a hard time wrapping their heads around it or they just simply don't enjoy it but uh, i think it's kind of a risk worth taking just to do something different that that's i mean doing something different i i feel like um that there is two ways of doing something different there's the bad way of doing something different and that's just doing something to be different mm -hmm. but it's not really different and then there's something that is actually different and thought out and my personal opinion is, from what I've played, your game falls into the latter category. Thank you. So, um, yeah, there, well, there is the, there's your positive feedback again. <laughs> Thanks. I appreciate that. Okay, so if we... Um, uh, if, you, if you look at your game, um, is there a particular game that inspired you to do your own game? Yeah, so I think it's probably the most generic answer if you ask like a deck builder fan, but I really love Slay the Spire. Uh, it's kind of like the OG like roguelike deck builder. Uh, that's the one I've played the most. Um, but I've definitely, I've tried to, to draw in a lot of other inspirations. Uh, actually, probably one of the games that kind of inspired like uh, placing the cards in different slots was uh, Dicey Dungeons. Uh, that's kind of like one of the first uh, I guess if you want to call it like a deck builder game that used dice instead of cards. I mean, I guess it kind of also uses cards in a little bit of a way. Um, but that kind of helped inspired like uh, placing things instead of uh, just playing tons of cards. And then um, there's now a lot more of these like uh, dice building games out. But uh, that was one I played pretty early on and inspired me quite a bit. Okay. Um... So, and, and what what in particular uh, did spur you on to go into game development? Because, I mean, you, you already worked with computers before. Um, mm -hmm. I don't think your way is very, um, let's say, very um, weird because you were already there. You were already programming and whatnot. Mm -hmm. um, 
but what what was the point where you said I want to make a game? What did which uh, um, you know uh, which I can't find the word. Um, no, I understand. Yeah. Okay. Uh, yes, yeah, so I think early on when I went to university, uh, I I went to art school and I always dreamed of like doing creative work. Kind of going back to like wanting to be a paleo a paleo artist uh i wanted to, to like draw pictures like paint i wanted to do creative things for a living and i kind of ended up just becoming a like software engineer by accident i guess it was intentional but i did it more just to make money it's a easy way to pay the bills so um i did that for like i guess like seven years and eventually i just got really tired of it i got really tired of not doing creative work every day and i wanted to do creative stuff not just as a hobby but full-time and um, i was just fortunate enough to be in a place in life where i'm able to do that now uh, in particular my wife uh, is hugely supportive of me in this endeavor and she's uh, also really good at her career so she's allowed me to to be able to quit my job and do this but yeah after about seven years of being a software engineer i was just tired of it and wanted to do something creative and i also play probably too many video games so um i felt like a kind of a good combination of i can do creative stuff and i can also program and i can create video games which i love to play okay that sounds that sounds actually like uh like a way that was naturally progressing. Yeah. Um, so if you look back on the development of your game from start to finish, apart from maybe switching the engines, what has been the hardest task for you so far? Hmm. Yeah, I think just definitely like the design of like gameplay mechanics. I think it's really easy for something to, in your head, it seems like a great idea, but then you actually have some people play test the game and you realize your idea is kind of crap and it needs to be totally overhauled. So I've redesigned and rebuilt so many different parts of the game over and over again. And um, which I guess to anybody listening, if you're wanting to build a game, just make sure you get tons of people testing your game as much as possible all the time. It'll definitely help prevent you from releasing a bad game. And if this game ends up being any good at all, it'll be because a lot of people have been playtesting it, which I appreciate a ton. Um, so that's that's probably one of the biggest things. I think probably the other side is I kind of thought a deck builder would be easy to make since, you know, you don't have a character running around on screen, like uh, punching and shooting enemies. So it must be easier, right? And then I guess I found uh, I was pretty wrong. Uh, there's like a lot of math and a lot of complicated things that go on behind the scenes in a deck building game. And I didn't realize how hard that would be. So uh, that's also been a little bit of a, a challenge. I think no, no single game genre ever is like easy to build. We had it earlier with the right. visual novels mm -hmm. where you then found out, huh, maybe I should do, maybe I should take some writing classes before right. I do do that. Um, so I, I think I don't say you, you were this, but I like to address this always when this comes up, uh, to the, for the listeners or whoever is here to inspire or is aspiring to make a game, like make your game. Mm -hmm. uh, always be sure that you know there is a fuck ton of work involved. Always. Right. Uh, and yeah, that that's that's the game. Um, no way around it. Yeah, no way around it. If you uh, look at the um, or if you if you look generally 
at the design of your game. What is the, uh, maybe also apart from like the unique mechanics with the cars, um, is there one single aspect in the design that you are very proud of? Uh, let's see. Hmm. Yeah, I think probably the thing I'm most proud of is like you mentioned, like the design of placing the cars in different positions. Um, I think other than that, uh, people really gravitate towards the, the design of the characters in the game. I love drawing the dinosaurs and uh, I think in particular the T-Rex character is one people always seem to love. I'm definitely very proud of that. So it's it's like a kind of cyberpunk game. So uh, the T-Rex, she has very little arms. So uh, since she lives in a cyberpunk world, she's gotten these massive cybernetic arms implanted in her shoulders. So she can actually have some functioning arms. Uh, that character design I was particularly uh, pleased with. Okay. Yeah, that, that that's actually that's actually a great design. I love that too. Yes. Uh, okay. Um, you have uh, two two segments in your game. Mm -hmm. Um, the one is like where you actually play the merc mm -hmm. and go out on like adventures. Let's put it that way. And the other one is like this the space defending component. Right. How, why did you split it in these two components? Yeah, I think that was also just something where I want to differentiate the game from others a little bit. Uh, usually in deck building games, you're always on the offense, and that'd be interesting to throw in kind of like the more uh, sort of defensive like style of play, which is something you don't always see in deck building games. So um, I also thought it kind of fits in like thematically into the game. You know, you're uh, like a, a private military corporation operating on this planet, and you have this base of operations that you launch uh, missions from and um, while you go on the offense you also have to defend it from enemies and I think it kind of I think it had, uh, helps add a little bit of a back and forth to the game where you know when you're on the offense uh, you know that's fun and all but then when you go on the defense it allows a little bit of like breathing room from the probably the more intense combat encounters like the base defense is like purposely a little bit easier than the the offensive part of the game and I, I kind of hope that that helps balance out the two and um, helps add just a little bit more of like variety to it. Yeah, it's, it's a good idea. So um, last time I played it, it was like the first um, assault, then defense. Uh, mm -hmm. Do you plan on mixing that up or do you still stick with that structure? Yeah, it's actually one thing I'm working on now is um, there's a pretty big uh, online festival called the Turn-Based Fest. And I got a ton of feedback uh, it was before the holidays and so working through all that feedback right now um one of the big things was uh kind of like allowing for more player agency and like how you go about doing missions so um now instead of like all these just kind of boring bland boxes you kind of click through um instead there will be kind of this like overview of or overhead view of the planet uh you're your mercenaries on and you can actually pick from there like what sort of missions you want to go on and and defend your base from there so be a little bit more dynamic and a little bit less of that like alternating on and off in a like kind of more mathematical way instead i hope this will be a little bit more organic yeah yeah i think i think that that's a good thing um that you have like more of these like in slate aspire i imagine it at least a little bit like this way you go onto your notes mm. and make your battles or defend the base or whatever so it feels a little bit more organic um mm. 
instead of binary because i feel like if you if you do it in this binary way it, it can get stale right. it can get stale there there is also maybe the the assumption that somebody maybe doesn't even like the base defending part mm-hmm. so yeah right now the player will be able to pick if they want to spend more time on the offense they can do that or if they like the dis- defensive side of the game they can play more of that so it'll definitely allow for some more player agency is there is there any advantage when i do defense yeah it's actually one of the characters in the game uh battery the triceratops character uh, he kind of like specializes in defense and uh his character gets more powerful the more powerful your base gets and in order to make your base more powerful you have to spend more time defending it so uh for some characters the defensive side won't matter as much, but for that particular character, it's definitely a character very uh, hand-tailored for players who like being on the defense. Okay. Um, how many characters where will there be once the game is released? So there'll be three at the start, and I definitely plan to keep doing updates after the game is released. I feel like that's that's a pretty standard thing these days. Like usually games will get quite a few like quality of life updates and um, we'll see how much time I can spend on the game after it's released. Uh, kind of depends on how much money it makes but um regardless of how much money it makes i'll i'll be doing additional updates so probably we'll add like at least a couple more characters if not more i I um does every character come like with it's his their own uh deck or a set of cards or is that uh, for everyone the same. Yeah, so this is also something that's probably a little bit different than other deck builders where uh, in most deck builders, when you pick a character, they have their own unique deck. And so I've done something a little bit different where there's a pool of cards that are shared between every single character, but then uh, two out of the three characters have their own set of special cards that only they have access to. And I kind of want that so that, you know, there's these powerful cards in the game that every one can use in every single run. Um, but then also you can pick these other characters to have, you know, a slightly different uh, play experience. Yeah, sounds good to me. So when, when will the game release? Uh, I'm planning on like a uh, first quarter of 2023 maybe like early second quarter uh, that is actually pretty early yeah yeah i'm kind of at a point now where i've kind of just got to get the game out and um you know cut what i might need to cut and just really focus on i think for my first game i really want to focus on releasing a really good small game and then add on to it from there as opposed to i think one thing i probably have made the mistake is i initially wanted to make a pretty big game and realized that's maybe just not feasible for a first time game dev so i'm gonna start pretty small release smaller game and then continue to engage with the 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 community around the game and keep uh, releasing updates to keep players uh, engaged. Yeah, sure. That sounds good to me. Okay. Is there anything else you want to tell the audience about your game? Hmm. Let's see. Uh, yeah, definitely wishlist the game if, you, if it sounds interesting to you. And uh, we also have a Discord and there's a, there's a few people who are engaged in that and uh, giving regular feedback and it's actually going to be uh, several others going to start testing out the game as well. So always open to, to having people test out the game. And I really like developing the game alongside players. So I love getting feedback and um, refining the game. 
um, based on on what players find is fun so definitely feel free to join the discord and uh, i'd love to have you there you can find all the links in the description on the podcast join the discord follow on twitter wishlist on steam and play the demo okay so um before we now move over to uh or, or we move now over to the talk about the video game industry in general. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to start with a topic that actually is not really a video game, uh, video game industry related, but uh, or it's it's not directly rooted in the video game industry, but it's adjacent. Mm-hmm. And I'm curious to hear your thoughts. Uh, since you are an artist and you draw your own cards in Dino Mercs, how do you feel about AI art? <laughs> yeah, that's a good one. I uh, actually, at one point, I was almost considering doing AI art for some of the cards just to help with the workload. But um, yeah, I think I, as an artist, I definitely enjoy doing it by hand. So I personally don't think I'll ever use AI tools to, to develop art. Um, I do see how it could be helpful for some things like creating textures uh, um, for games, but um, one thing I'm particularly not a huge fan of with AR art is kind of this uh, rise of people who use the the prompts, but then they'll include a name of an artist, and then you essentially get like these carbon copies of what that artist might produce. And I feel like that kind of crosses the line, like AI art, where you're no longer really producing something that's unique, but rather you're just doing a very uh, like basic copy of what somebody else would rather do. But yeah, I I don't feel like I'm 100% uh, decided on on how I feel about the game. Or uh, sorry about AI. I mean, I mean that's completely fair. Um, mm-hmm. I I personally think uh, if used responsible, it can be a good thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. At the moment, it doesn't look like it's uh, being used responsible. Uh, there's yeah. a lot, a lot of shady stuff going on with the AI art. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, uh, it's but but it's definitely here to stay. Um, for for the better or for the worse. So if you if you look at the gaming industry as a whole and uh, see what's happening. Mm-hmm. What is your least favorite trend going on at the moment? Hmm. I feel like there's probably quite a few things, but I feel like some of the easy ones are like uh, microtransaction loot boxes. But I don't want to talk about those because I feel like those are just so easy to, to trash on. But uh, probably one of the things that bugs me the most is I feel like probably more than ever, players like really expect a game to be like perfectly balanced and um there's just like uh there's always this drive to have these like really meticulously refined like metas for a game and i kind of miss when games could just like have these really like wildly fun things that were very unbalanced in them but were just fun um of course off the top of my head i can't even think of anything right at, at the moment but um yeah i feel like probably not as big of a thing in indie games um i play a lot of indie games but i also enjoy playing a lot of like competitive like fps games and that's probably a genre where you see a lot of that where you know it's a lot more of like how do we make this fair for everybody as opposed to fun for for some people um it's definitely it's controversial because you want a game to be fair for everyone but i think there's a certain point where if you try to make a game too fair and balanced for everybody it can 
kind of uh, make the game not so much fun in some ways, if that makes sense. Yeah, that makes sense. So, and if you think about your least favorite trend, obviously there has to be your favorite trend. What would that be? Oh, my favorite trend? Yes. Hmm. Yeah, I think I'd probably just say just just the sheer amount of like indie games that get released and i know we talked about like you know the deck building genre being overcrowded but in a way i think it's actually kind of a good thing because you end up getting lots of unique games um it's especially been cool to see in like the deck building genre where you have a lot of developers who are just going way out of the bounds of what you would normally expect a deck building game to be and coming up with lots of interesting mechanics and obviously that's hard from a business perspective if you're a game developer with just the increased competition but there's just so many ideas out there um being made and realized and being actually released these days yeah i think so too it's um i mean that the, the good thing is what i always say is and what I feel like it's a very good trend at the moment is it's never been easier to go into game making. Mm -hmm. It's um, the barrier to entry is like really at the lowest point ever. Yeah. But that also leads to a very, very crowded market. Right. In a, also, in a lot of aspects. Yeah. Yeah. That is that is the downside. The upside, though, it is it lifts up games, though, because when you have that competition, you just have to make a really good game to stand out, and uh, you can't really get away with um, just releasing, you know, a game that might look good or might be marketable, like it actually has to be really fun to play. Yeah, definitely, I I agree. Uh, and but there's also like the marketing side of things. It's so important mm -hmm. to stand out and to just show. Oh yeah. That's probably, I found that's to be, that's one of the toughest parts about making a game. Uh, just like how much marketing you have to do, especially as a solo dev. It's incredibly difficult. Yeah, yeah, it is. But never a surprise release your game. <laughs> that is, no. that is extremely important. Unless you're already famous. Yeah, yeah, then, then maybe you can do that. Okay, um, is there, is there a, a game that you, you're currently playing? Yeah, I probably I play way too many games. Um, let's see. There's there's been a couple like deck builders that I've been trying out. Um, Beneath Oressa, have you heard of that one? No. Okay, it's it's really cool. It's a uh, probably what's different is you know with a deck builder you usually just see your characters in profile view. It's just very flat, two dimensional, kind of like the game I'm making, unfortunately. But uh, Beneath Oressa, like you actually have these like 3D characters. They do these like cool like a uh, you know like attacks um on enemies and um kind of adds like a nice uh you know dimension to the game i mean it's literally 3d but uh i've been liking that one quite a bit um i always like try to play like some old games i recently got in gotten into the, the metal slug games i've never played those before so kind of like fun maybe i, kinda I like, love metal slug yeah it uh, almost kind of makes me want to play or make uh like a metal slug version of dino mercs where you just you know have dinosaur mercenaries running around maybe one day i'll make that please, we'll please do please do <laughs> i will buy it like i will buy it <laughs> please do yeah. that let me select three different title works and let me yeah. have it. Dude, there is a severe lack of good Contra and Metal Slug clones. Yeah, I was surprised. I was looking up, you know, what are some like modern versions of Metal Slug and uh, there's not really many of them. So I don't know, maybe this is the untapped uh, niche genre that I need to get into. Yeah, but it's, um, I, I will, I will also tell you one thing about that. It's ink 
incredibly hard to do. Oh yeah, I bet. Yeah. I, I feel like I feel like personally it would be even harder than a deck builder. Probably, yeah. Because you have you have to have good enemy design, you have to have good level mm -hmm. design, you have you, you have to know what you're doing at that stage. But I, I will empower you to do it anyways, because I want to see where it goes. Like, I, 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 I'm I I'm 100% behind that idea. Nice. We, we have a severe lack of Contra and Metal Slug clones. Mm -hmm. If anyone out there hears that, please send me a Metal Slug and Contra clone. The last one I remember that I played was Blazing Chrome, and that's like 500 okay. years ago. Mm. And, but, but then again... Have you played Blazing Chrome? No, I think I've heard of it, but have not played it. That that one is is fantastic. That's like Contra to a T. Um, nice. I love that one. Yeah. Uh, there is also yeah, but but that's also already three years old. Yeah. Yeah. So. Um, yeah. Yeah, that's probably a downside I've found of like the whole indie game world, at least with developers who want to make games for a living. So you kind of have to pick, you know, from like maybe one of five genres that happen to be selling well at the time. So you end up with these like saturated genres, like, you know, deck builders, um, and then some other genres kind of get uh, left like in the corner to gather dust. So, but it's probably just a matter of time before, before those type of games get back into the spotlight. Maybe, maybe one day. I have some questions I always like to ask mm -hmm. during my interview session, so I, I lied a little bit in preparation. I have some fixed questions, um, but I never I never share that because it would be would be very boring if I would do so because it could like have a total elaborate answer and I don't want that. Ah, uh. yeah. Um, picture the following: You are invited to the United Nations to talk on behalf of video games on all the video games. What would you tell the United Nations about video games? Hmm, let's see. Well, I think there's probably quite a few things. I think I would, I mean, as a game developer, I would say, you know, video games are overall a net positive for the world. Um, I think maybe like a good example of that is like during the pandemic, uh, you know, that we all went through for, for years. Um, for a lot of people, like video games were how you connected with other people and how you maintained your mental health. At least that was for me, like I couldn't see my friends in person, but I could uh, talk to them online while playing, you know, a battle royale game or something like that. Um, so I think there's a lot of value to video games, you know, with connecting with other human beings and uh, it's good for mental health as long as you pick the right games, I guess. And um, I think also there's a lot of good indie games where they encourage creativity, like thinking in strategic, like creative ways and keeps your, your mind sharp. And um, also a lot of games that put you into the shoes of people who are very different from you and uh, put you into situations you would probably never experience yourself. Allows you to be more empathetic. Um, helps you to see the world through different eyes. That is true. I like that. Okay, so can I can I ask a question? Mm -hmm. How old are you? I am thirty, almost thirty-one. Thirty. I'm up thirty-one. What was your first like console? So growing up, or, I was or PC not a... or when did you yeah. get your first PC? Something like that. Yeah, growing up. Uh, my mom was very like anti-video games, so I did not get to grow up with like a Nintendo, like most kids my age, uh, which is pretty sad. No PlayStation. Um, so I actually didn't get a console until I was about, I want to say like maybe 12. I got 
the the first Xbox, and I just played way too much Halo uh, and Morrowind a lot. Um, those were good times. Um, original Xbox was great. Uh, yeah, I I never really had a like a gaming PC growing up, um, so didn't really do a lot of PC gaming until recently in the last like few years. Um, yeah, growing up definitely like in my teens and even like throughout a lot of my twenties, it was mostly just consoles. Um, yeah, and now I'm fully into the PC gaming and definitely uh missed out on a lot of years of that but catching up now okay that's interesting <clears throat> i can't even ask you the question that i normally ask so oh, yeah? i'm gonna scrap that yeah <laughs> yeah i can't i can't tell you i can't ask you what game you would rent on a hot summer day when your schoolwork is done and you are going to Blockbuster. Uh, i can't i can't sorry. ask you that <laughs> not really i should i did rent games back back when i was you young did? i think when I was 12, like 13, 14, those were like the last days of like renting. Uh, I mean, when I was that age, it was DVDs you would rent, uh, not not VHS tapes, but uh, uh, you could still go and rent DVDs and, and even Xbox games. So I remember doing a bit of that, but um, yeah, I mostly just bought games. So unfortunately did not really experience too much of the, the renting games and that whole whole world which sounds like it was a lot of fun it was um well i mean it, it was also kind of like if you so um the when you rented a game right it was mostly over the weekend it was cheap you got a new game for a little bit but there was also one one absolutely terrible thing about this that happened if it was a shit game you were stuck with it <laughs> yep and you wouldn't know, like as a as a kid, you wouldn't know. You you would go by um by the cover or by by whatever by what you read in the manual uh, mm -hmm. when you when you were in the in the rental store. Yeah, these days you can go on YouTube, watch like yeah. a thirty minute review of a game. Yeah, Don't have to make a mistake. Yeah. <laughs> And then and then see if you like it or not depending on the reviewer because sometimes the reviewers are also wrong i've never yeah. found really a reviewer i perfectly jive with mm. um so i just like play a lot of games and then i'll see if i like it or not yeah easy right <laughs> tough these days with games costing all the way up to 70 dollars oh I, MSD. I yeah so, since i'm a content <laughs> creator i don't i don't really pay for most so. that's true yeah <laughs> that that that's the privilege you know <laughs> yeah i was very lucky so i would say that's that's a good point to wrapping it up sounds good we we uh, we we can talk again uh, mm -hmm. once you release Dynamark and it's a bit down the line. We That'd can awesome. come back and and catch up and see what's next. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it would let's be do that. lovely. I'd definitely be and, interested in that. It was a great time. Yeah, and uh, it's been the Orcacast. Thank you everyone for listening. Uh, it's been Tim and Dynamarks. And if you want to support the work that I do, you can find the link to my Patreon down in the description. It's not just for the OrcoCast is also for the for my other YouTube channel where I do gaming reviews and stuff like that. Um, so check that out. One one twenty one one dollar twenty a month already gives you access to early access to the podcast and also access to my so check it out. Thank you everyone for listening. You have been an amazing audience like always. And bye bye. Oh, thanks everyone for listening. Bye.